Dear children, can you imagine with me being there in the fields of Ephrata, in the middle of the night, darkness all around, dark field, dark sky. And there you are with your sheep, doing what you do every day. But then, all of a sudden, this bright light fills the sky. It's a blazing, heavenly light. Like all of a sudden, it's noon on a summer's day. You would fall to the ground, wouldn't you? You'd put your hands over your eyes. Say, what's happening now? I wonder if these shepherds thought that the day of judgment had come. God was there. The Bible says they were sore afraid deeply scared, frightened. And then they hear voices. And there's this army of angels. It looks like an army. Are they going to execute vengeance? Have they come to judge the world in righteousness? As God had said, will everything I've done And said and thought, be opened now before the great white throne of God. The congregation, instead of judgment, there in the middle of the night, the shepherds, they get a sermon, a gospel sermon from a heavenly messenger from an angel who preaches to them and says, fear not. He sees their terror, their fear. He says, fear not. I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, which is Bethlehem, a Savior, not a judge, a Savior now, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And this congregation is the words of our text, verse 12. And our theme looking to the Lord is simply these words, you shall find. The babe lying in the manger. You shall find. We'll see, first of all, an authoritative claim. Secondly, an encouraging sign. And lastly, the amazing wonder. You shall find him lying in the manger. The authoritative claim, the encouraging sign, and the amazing wonder. You see, congregation, this angel, this preacher here on the fields of Ephrata, 
He tells the shepherds that God's word has been fulfilled. The prophets were not mistaken when they prophesied what was now coming to pass, that God in the fullness of time would send a Savior. And these angels proclaimed that the day has finally come. God has sent a Savior. David's son has been born so close by in the city of David, Bethlehem, just as Micah had prophesied. And thou, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though thou be little, out of thee shall come forth he who is to be the ruler in Israel. What an amazing event. What amazing tidings reach these shepherds. People like you and me, fallen sinners, deserving God's judgment, and yet here receiving a message of salvation. A message regarding the Savior. And notice, congregation, and this is, this is our focus this morning, it's more than a generic message. It's not just a general announcement with no specifics or details. It's not impersonal. There is a kind of preaching that is just generic and impersonal. Just some facts, just some truths hanging in midair. But no, these angel preachers, and specifically this one who announces it, he speaks so directly so personally unto you is born this day. Unto you. Not just some of you. Not just some people out there. But unto you is born this day. And this message is not just for these shepherds who hear it as the first audience, as the first hearers. But this message, the Bible says, the, the angels say, shall be unto all people. This is truly a message for the world, for every soul that has ever lived. Unto you is born a Savior. And if this is not spectacular enough, the angel says something else. And he doesn't say this. You might expect this. And now, shepherds, now you must go and you must look for this child and you must look hard and you must seek and seek and seek and seek and perhaps, maybe, at the end of all that, some of you will find. No. That is not the message. Not at all. These shepherds are not thrown back on themselves and on their own working and seeking and doing. No. The angel 
says something spectacular. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. You shall find. It's not you may find. Perhaps if you're looking exactly the right way in the right spot, you'll find. No, this angel doesn't need to stir these shepherds up in any other way than to say, I have great tidings of great joy which shall be to all people, and you shall find. Do you see, congregation, with what authority the gospel message comes and must come? Those whom God has called and appointed and anointed to bring the message of salvation, they come not just as one person speaking to another person. Again, there's nothing wrong with that, and that too is good and right and well. But the message of salvation is an authoritative summons. It calls for obedience on the part of the hearers. Come, go, you will find what an authoritative claim. And children, once again, if you were in that field that day, what do you think you would have done with a heavenly message from a heavenly messenger of the greatest news imaginable? And even telling you that you shall find. You see, congregation, there's something here and may God bind this upon our hearts. But the angel doesn't tell the shepherds to seek. Now the Bible does in certain places tell us to seek. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. Ask and it shall be given to you. So that per se is not wrong. That's, 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 that's a biblical message. But that's not this message. And that's not the message of the birth of Christ, which shall be to all people. You know, see, there's something in the human heart that doesn't mind the message being called to seek. There are many people today inside the church and outside the church too that will tell you, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a seeker. And churches are even encouraged to be seeker-friendly places. See, the natural man can pride himself in being something, even in religious things. I'm a seeker. Maybe you're like that. You know, our, our flesh, our natures don't mind that. In fact, they, they quite like that. I'm not here, I'm not there, but I'm seeking. I'm doing, I'm doing what I need to do in order to achieve this or accomplish that. I'm on the way. So we tell ourselves and we tell others. The congregation, that is not the message of the shepherds. 
in our passage, and that is not the message of the gospel in the end of the day. The message of the gospel comes with authority that you cannot escape. If you seek to do so, that is on your own head and on your own consciences. But with that, God is terribly displeased. When the authoritative claim of the gospel comes to these ears of ours, then we must give account of everything that God has said, including the rich overtures of his mercy, the great commands that he presses upon our souls. Well, my friends, you've heard it. I trust. This is the preaching of the gospel. It comes indiscriminately to all men everywhere, telling them to repent and believe the gospel of salvation. And then to do anything but to receive that with the full weight of authority that it contains is nothing but rebellion against the messenger and the sender of that messenger, the Lord Jehovah himself. An authoritative claim congregation. What has it done for you over the year that is soon coming to a close? Have you bowed the knee before the great sender of every gospel messenger? Have you come under the gospel of free and sovereign grace? Have you been brought into that place where it is impossible for you to continue as you are? To continue in works and in doing and in whatever it is that is from your side but outside and apart from resting, falling, submitting to the righteousness which is of God in Jesus Christ. When Paul's heart is full of grief for his fellow Hebrews who have refused the gospel, then his diagnosis is really one thing. They have not submitted to the righteousness which is of God in Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 1 through 4. And he grieves over that and he mourns over that. (coughs) Friend, to do anything besides submitting to the righteousness of God which is preached in the gospel and held out and held forth in the preached word is rebellion of the highest sorts. It is not innocent. It is not something from which the sinner can excuse him or herself. The word of God comes with divine authority. Have you submitted to the gospel of God in Jesus Christ? Well, an authoritative claim. We come now, secondly, to the encouraging sign because there's a part of the text that I've left out until now and it's very important. And this shall be a sign unto you. 
Now in everyday life, we have many signs. As I drove down the road today towards Kalamazoo, there were many signs, and they're very helpful and very necessary. If there were no signs, I, I, I don't think I, I would have made it. We need and depend on signs. Our world knows that, and you know that physically. Naturally, you understand that. And spiritually, too, the Lord has been pleased to give certain signs. Now, there are times in which we can look for signs and depend upon signs in a way that the Lord does not want us to do. At times, the Lord upbraids His people or rebukes His people for looking for signs. Except ye see signs and miracles, ye will not believe, He says on one occasion. And that is a wrong (coughs) looking for signs in order to believe. Not even so much a confirmation for faith, but to bind God that unless He does something that you as a sinner, require him to do that he has not revealed in his word, that, that too is rebellion. That is a wrong looking for signs. Yet the Lord often stoops or condescends to reassure his people, his weak people, who are prone to halt and to stumble. He reassures them with signs. Remember Gideon. Gideon was commissioned by the Lord to engage the Midianites, to fight against them. And the Lord had raised him up for that. And Gideon is trembling. He's fearful. He hears the Lord. He hears the Lord's call and commission. And he does in principle believe it. By faith, Gideon. And yet he seeks and longs for confirmation of that. And the Lord does not upbraid him in that. The Lord condescends to him, stoops and gives him Uh, On the one occasion, first, that the ground is dry and the fleece is wet. And the second time, when the Lord, when, when Gideon seeks more confirmation, then the opposite is true. Then the fleece is dry and the ground around it is wet. And how gracious and condescending the Lord is to meet Gideon there in his weakened frame, and he gives him a sign. And so, too, the Bible is is filled with many tokens, many signs, many supports for weak and trembling believers. And here in this passage, the angelic messenger freely, without even asking these shepherds, or without the shepherds asking for a sign, he gives them a sign. And literally in the original it says, and this shall be the sign. This shall be the sign of all that I'm speaking to you. And what will that sign be? The sign is that they will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, little strips of cloth, really a piece of cloth that you would rip up. Maybe it was the shawl of Mary or some other part Maybe something she had taken along and, and, and she ripped that piece in, into, into, and this is what they would do. They'd wrap little children, their legs and their arms and so on, in these pieces of clothes. That will be the sign and this, that the child will be in the manger. Now again, children, to these shepherds, 
They were poor shepherds. To be a shepherd was not an enviable job. Shepherds were considered to be generally lower class. And there they were. They hear about Messiah being born from the house of David, a descendant of David. Where would such a child be born? He would be born in a palace, wouldn't he? He'd be born in at least (coughs) a city, a walled place with guards guarding the entrance to where this little royal child would be born. And the Savior had said, Christ, Messiah, the Lord. But now notice how low the, the sign goes, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. That's a feeding trough that animals would eat out of. And so the, the sign congregation is really pointing both of these aspects to the great poverty wherewith this Savior will dress himself. Wherewith he will appear. Yes, he will be born in Bethlehem, the city of David, but he will be born outside. Outside the inn, because there's no room for him there. Outside in the field, there where the cattle usually are. And his resting place will be a manger. What a sign. Congregation. But don't you see encouragement for these shepherds and also for us here today? And that is that the Lord stoops truly in this sign so low. Could he stoop lower than this? No. He comes so close to these shepherds. These shepherds were used to animals. They were used to fields. They were used to stables. And that's where they will find the Savior. The God of heaven and of earth who has taken to himself our nature. That's where they will find him. This King of kings and Lord of lords stoops that low. He meets his people in the lowest places. And he clothes himself here in poverty. He clothes himself, congregation, here in our poverty. Because 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That ye were poor, through his poverty, might be rich. And so the God of heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ, the second person of the Holy Trinity, he did not despise the virgin's womb, but neither did he despise the poverty and the uncleanness of the manger and of the fields of Ephrata. He goes to the lowest place, And he takes on the poverty that you and I 
are marked by, or at least should be marked by. We as image bearers of God, having sinned against God, having forsaken God, having turned our backs on God, oh, what poor creatures we've become. It's a wonder we have anything at all. But in that day that Adam and Eve turned their backs on God in the garden and we with them and we turned away from them we had to flee from the garden of Eden and the angels prohibited us to return to it the thorns and thistles sprung up all around us and there we were in fear and desolation having left our God having separated ourselves from him What might we expect? What can we expect, having left God, but poverty, death, destruction? It's precisely into that that the Savior comes. He stoops that low, and he makes this the sign that will help his fearful, his trembling people who know their own weakness and who know their own poverty. And he says, you will find me exactly where you should be forever, in lowliness, outside. Congregation, the great aim of the story of the Incarnation is to humble the pride of man and to make us look in wonder and amazement at the fact that God was manifest in the flesh. You're in my flesh with all its weakness, with all its frailty, with all the poverty that we have brought upon ourselves and that he stooped that low He came so near. He is so approachable. He did not take upon himself the form of angels, the nature of angels. That would be one thing. But he took upon himself the seed of Abraham, flesh and blood, as you and I have. Our nature in all its weakness and frailty And he took the lowest form of that. And this is what divides. Because congregation, do you need a Savior like this? You need a Savior like this if you realize that from the beginning of your life, the inception of your life, From your conception itself on, you need a Savior to do it over again for you. You don't need someone in a palace. You need someone where you are, where you belong, where you should be, taking your place. And this is why, and this congregation is the discriminating part of it all, There were many in Jerusalem who, not on this occasion, but on a later occasion, heard of the birth of the Savior in Bethlehem. 
In fact, Micah the prophet speaks to them as the scribes consult the scriptures. And Micah says in Matthew chapter 2, he says to Herod and to the scribes and to the rulers and to many other who gather around, Micah, the prophet of God, says, And thou, Bethlehem Ephrata, and all of nature, even the stars in the heaven, and these wise men, these Gentiles that come, they tell the same message that the shepherds heard that night on the fields of Ephrata. And these were learned men. These were people who were privileged with a great education, also in the scriptures. But when they heard that the Christ child was born in Bethlehem, did they seek him? Did they go to find him? No, they didn't take a step outside of their comfort zone there in Jerusalem, in their religious presumption that was theirs. They were fine. They didn't need someone who was born in Bethlehem, laid in, in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes. That was too low for them. They needed someone, they thought, who would give them a better life here on earth, help them to be more comfortable, more prestigious, more esteemed in the eyes of others. They didn't need a Savior which is Christ, the Lord. They didn't need salvation, so they thought, they imagined. They didn't need a Messiah. They were fine without Him. And a Lord, a Lord, we will not have this man to reign over us. And so, congregation, I wonder, this December 25, 2022, Where does the word of God, where does the proclamation find you? No, you're not getting it through an angel, but in a way you are getting it from God, through the angel, through the inspired word of God. And he's giving you the same message. What do you do? What do you need? What does your heart need? Do you need this Christ child born in Bethlehem so low, so poor? In congregation, the swaddling clothes, they have an other message. Because at the end of Christ's life on earth, you know what? He was wrapped in the very same way with pieces of cloth. Every limb was wrapped and he was placed in that tomb. having suffered the wrath of God due to the sins of all his people. If the manger was low, the cross was deeper, was lower yet, outside. No room, no room on earth, no room in heaven, no room anywhere, but in the forsakenness that you deserve, that you and I deserve. He went into death. The Son of God in our nature went into death. The death that you deserve and that I deserve forever. So low. This is a sign. You shall find him, sinner. You shall find him there. You shall find him if you seek him with all your heart. You shall find. 
Congregation, I wonder if together we say with Job, I am vile, for I've uttered the things that I should not have uttered, but now mine eye seeth thee, and I abhor myself in dust and ashes, because congregation, when we see what this Christ child did, and we look at him in the light of the scriptures, with eyes of faith, I see what I did. I see what I deserve. And I see him there. And I say, how can this be? He for me, who should have suffered innumerable reproaches for even one sin, but a life of sin. And he, in my place, wonder of all wonders. Do you see how the angelic word, how the preached word leads us, leads us congregation by heart and by hand to kneel and to bow in humiliation, yes, in all our poverty, yes, but in adoration, with our eyes focused not on ourselves, but on him, to look at him because he steals all the attention of heaven and of earth, of devils and of angels and of my heart. And how is it with yours? With your heart too? Do you see him? Does he deserve it all? This brings us, congregation, to our third and final point, and that is the amazing wonder. Because when you kneel there at the manger and you see this child so small, so weak from human perception, and yet the power of God come down so small, so apparently weak, and yet this is God manifest in the flesh, wonder of all wonders. Here's God in my nature. Here's another image bearer. Here's bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. One born just like me of a woman, born under the law. He comes so low. He comes under the law where I would perish everlastingly. He comes there. He goes my path. He comes in my estate. And then, congregation, I see much more than just a Christ child, poor, weak, helpless, needy. I see grace. I see mercy. I see love. Love so divine. All loves excelling. Love come down. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see.
And congregation, if those angels cover their faces on the fields of Ephrata when the highest heavens came down and the armies, the hosts of God shone radiantly, brilliantly in the middle of the darkness of the night in the fields of Ephrata, if they fell down and covered their faces then, what should we do when we see God manifest in the flesh? He's found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself. Such love. Love that will not let the sinner go. Here's my kinsman redeemer. Here's the one who takes my place. He takes all my debt. He takes all my poverty. He takes all my guilt. And he gives me the opposite. He gives me riches beyond compare. He gives me a clean record and a new heart. He gives me an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away reserved in heaven to you who believe. He takes the curse to bless You shall find him. You shall find him. You shall find him. An authoritative claim. An encouraging sign. An amazing wonder. But will you go? Will you go even now? That's what the shepherd said. Let us go. Not tomorrow. Not after we've thought about this or done that or accomplished this or dug down into hell itself or climbed up into heaven. No, near you is the word. So near, so close, even in your mouth. Even in your heart, the word of faith which we proclaim, let us go. Let us go. You can't be disappointed. Someone is saying, but what if it's true for everybody but me? Oh, my friend, would to God, we could take you by heart and hand. Come now, come now, come now. Here's the thing. You're looking at yourself, aren't you? You're looking inside, aren't you? Because the message is clear. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be to all people. And congregation, the world must hear. 
The world must hear about this Savior. It shall be to all people. And this shall be the sign unto you. You shall find him. And faith says, Lord, I come. Help me. Help my unbelief. Lead me. Bring me. But Lord, I come. Spirit, carry me. Word, impel me. Drive me. Bring me. Lead me. Don't let me rest until it's true. And it is true. Because it's from a God who cannot lie. And he says, you shall find. You shall find. But go then to the right place. Go to where he is. In swaddling clothes. In the gospel. There he is. In the poverty of the preached word. Unadorned. There he is. The company of poor people like you, unimportant, ordinary people, sinners like you and me, there he is, where two or three are gathered in my name. There am I. He's here in the garments of his word. He's here with his saviorhood, with his merits, with the blessing with the pardon for sin and the peace that endures and the reconciliation with God and everything that a sinner could need, could lack, could want. Grace for today. Grace for tomorrow. Hope. A living hope that never dies. What about tomorrow, you say? Oh, my friend, you're turning away already in your mind, away from the Christ child. Don't think about tomorrow. Think about the one who said, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the same. He changes not. And therefore, you sons of Jacob, you're not consumed because of him. Because he's everything. And he's so small so tender, so approachable, so near. He's here. Emmanuel. God with sinners. Don't turn away. Don't try to do it yourself. Don't delay. Whatever you do, don't delay. Amen. Glorious and gracious Son of God in our nature, precious Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. Give us, we pray thee, to come and find thee where we should be, outside, poor, weak, helpless. And even deeper than that, bearing the wrath 
we deserve forever. Lord, we pray thee for thy dear people that they would find thee afresh. That in all their grief so often, confusion, unbelief, Lord, we need it again and again. Lord, make this real and make this true today and give truly joy in our souls today. Joy not in things, not even in people, though we rejoice together with thy people. We thank thee for them. But give that joy which no one and nothing can take away. That today thy people would draw water from the wells of salvation. And that they would joy in God as near before. And we pray thee too, Lord, for those who have never by faith looked upon this Christ child. Lord, that they would see him in the garments of the word in their place, also for them, for sinners. They would bow in adoration. Lord, will thou give that grace in our hearts today by the operation of thy Holy Spirit. Thou alone canst do it. And may this message, first preached by the angels, may it reach countless people today. For is not the king's honor in the number of his subjects, O Lord, then take many into the fellowship of all thy people, and may they know something of that wonder and that pondering that Mary did so long ago, kept all these things and pondered them in our hearts. May we know that lively communion with thee. Thou art willing to engage with sinners. Though we've oft sinned against thee, still thy love and thy grace abide. So make it real, make it true. <clears throat> and give true rejoicing in our hearts, we pray. Do remove our many sins, even in holy things. Go with us into the furtherance of this day. Bring us back within thy courts once more, we pray thee. And wilt thou strengthen thy servant then also. And... May the end of this day be glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. And keep us in the unsafe ways, we pray. Keep us in the hollow of thy hand. Keep us from sinning against thee. We ask this all in the Redeemer's name, and for his sake alone. Amen.